you've got all kinds of things that you can make part of the dressing that that can add something to the the dimension and i don't see any any reason to use lead shot apart from even if you were using maybe streamers maybe um but even then um we've got some fairly subtle you know lead impregnated leaders um poly leaders with with tungsten in them that was charles jardine with his take on lead split shot the lefty cray of the uk today on the wet fly swing fly fishing show Welcome to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show, where you discover tips, tricks, and tools from the leading names in fly fishing today. Hey, how's it going today? Thanks for stopping by the Fly Fishing Show. Uh, if you get a chance, uh, head over to uh, wetflyswing.com live to check out our next uh, live podcast we have going on. We're testing out some new things this year, and, uh, and, and the, uh, the link at live is the best place to catch up on that. Charles Jardine, one of the great contemporary fly fishermen from the UK, shed some light on nymph fishing. We hear about uh, UK nymphing and why it's not much different than fishing in the US. And we find out which uh, are Charles's favorite uh, nymphing books. He's got one that is pretty much your must-go to, must-have book. Before we get started, let's hear from our sponsors. TurtleBox is a new company I've been working with this year. They build an amazing portable speaker that is louder and more rugged than anything I've ever encountered. Unlike most other portable speakers out there, the TurtleBox was specifically built with a sportsman in mind. I've talked with the guys at TurtleBox, solid dudes by the way. They love the outdoors and are all avid sportsmen. This is a product I can truly say does not disappoint. Go ahead and check the guys out at TurtleBoxAudio.com. OPST's rods represent decades of dedication to sustained anchor two-handed casting. These rods are a true illustration of Skagit Master Edward's vision. The Micro Series comes exceptionally close to single-handed specs and is proving to be a unique tool for trout and smallmouth anglers alike. Head over to wetflyswing.com OPST to get started right now. That's wetflyswing.com OPST. So without further ado... Here is Charles Jardine from charlesjardine.co.uk. How's it going, Charles? I'm doing very, very well. It seems very weird, doesn't it? You in one country, me in another. <laughs> yeah. No, it, you know what I mean? It seems amazing to me because I, the more I do this, and we have obviously a lot more U.S.-based episodes, but I always, I think about it, I'm thinking about, you know, like, why do we not have more UK episodes, more Europe, you know what I mean? It's just, and the struggle is, is that we got one show. I think I would need like three or four shows to cover the world, right? Yeah, well, it just seems, Dave, that the Euro-nymphing, Euro-nymphing, um, has just swept all before it in your country at the moment. <laughs> I mean, it's just bizarre. And, you know, the irony in all of it is it, the, the most curious thing to me is the fact that you pretty much invented it. Now, I know that sounds ridiculous, but, um, yeah. yeah, I'm going straight in here, aren't I? This really? is but, perfect. I mean... Uh, <laughs> I remember fishing in Colorado back when dinosaurs roamed the earth. And um, it, it was just outside of Vail. We were doing a, a thing um, with a hotel group out there. And as it, we were a group of, of uh, journalists coming out from the UK. And I saw these guys using Stren, yellow Stren, and high sticking um, the various rivers in Colorado. And so, oh, they're, they're onto something here. 
And you've been tight-line nymphing for generations. Yeah. I mean, for goodness sake. You know, so it's nothing like reinventing a wheel, is there, really? Yep. <laughs> well, I, I'm glad you jumped right into the Euro Nippy game because you're right. It, it has swept. It's like Euro. And if you look at my most popular episodes, you know, what we've had on here, they're, most of the top 10 are Euro are related, right? And we've interviewed everybody from, you know, you know, Bill Fish all the way down to everything. And it's all, and Euro is the, is the thing. But I'm curious on the history because we had, um, you know, Gary Borger was on here. He talked about some of the, the past history. I'm interested. Oh, dear, Gary. What a wonderful man. Yeah. He must have had fun with Gary. He's just a delight, isn't it, he? It was. It was amazing. Yeah, he, he told his story and stuff. And But it was interesting because the nymph fishing, I'm, I want to check with you to see on the UK side of it because I'm a little confused on the history there. Can you just take us back and talk a little bit how... Well, yeah. yeah I, I can a little bit. I mean, it, it history is always something that you know probably happened and is get gets lost in interpretation frankly yeah yep. so um nymph fishing was pretty much codified by george edward mackenzie skews now there's a name to conjure with yep. um now everyone looks at, at skews as the the sort of creator the the godfather of of nymphs but what they overlook is the fact that he got all his ideas from the North Country, what we call spider fishers, wet fly fishers, who were not fishing. Everyone, and I'm saying this because you've got that lovely title, um, you know, wet yep. fly swing. Yeah. Um, everyone thinks that when you put on a soft tackle, you fish it across and down. These guys weren't. They were actually fishing it upstream to their quarry. And we're going to 18. 40 1860s nice. probably even before then and then skews had this idea well and he was in conversation with these guys and he was around about 19 i don't know about 1910 19 around about that period um and he decided to look at nature in the river on the chalk streams that he fished on the river itchin especially which is just outside of winchester and noticed the nymphs and the way they hatched and so forth so he put basically a thorax on wet flies hmm. and fished them just subsurface now there is no way in this world or indeed any other that those flies could have sunk much deeper than maybe a few inches they just weren't they weren't constructed that way and if anyone is a student of the sport if they look at skews nymphs they'll see that basically um you've got a pattern over there called a the flimp or, yep. or emerges. And they're not that far apart from it. They're really not. Um, but what they, the critical difference was they went underneath the surface, whereas Halford and all his acolytes said, no, it's got to be dry fly fished mm -hmm. on the surface. And so this great big furore kicked off and one yep. wouldn't talk to the other. And, <laughs> you know, there were battles fought across the water meadows. It was horrible. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so – Essentially, they were just fishing emerges. And then along came a few others. But I suppose the real game changer for me, um, looking at it historically, and I'm sure there were people before this, yeah. was um, was Sawyer, Frank Sawyer. Mm. Um, now, he was a, a river keeper on the Upper Avon, um, just outside of Salisbury, um, going upstream. He was an incredible man. I got my first ever proper lesson from Frank. And hmm. he was a, an elegant, 
man of the of the of the ground of the earth. I mean, he he was a river keeper. He was a countryman through and through, and understood about the rhythm of a river. And he he basically judged all and based all his patterns on what he observed. And that's how you got the pheasant tail nymph. That's how you got all his patterns. Right. Very simple. And he worked out that if you put a certain amount of copper wire in these patterns that they would get down to a certain depth and you could fish at, at a you know quite a considerable depth however what people forget is um, before all that there are a number of french patterns that actually were constructed very very similarly so as soon as you have one person you've generally got somebody else that thought of it before you and you know it, it yeah. so it goes on and it's, it's this cyclical thing but i think Skews is generally seen as the father of nymph fishing, but I think Sawyer popularized fishing at substantial depths in it beneath the surface. And I think that's the best way to look at it, really. Perfect, perfect. Yeah, and I, and we talked, we've talked on wet fly, and I love, you know, obviously the wet fly swing, you know, does think of, you know, focused on, you know, swinging flies, but uh, we had Davey Watton on as well, who I'm sure you're, you're <laughs> aware of. Dave. Yeah. Oh, Dave, Davey and I go back. I mean, we we were in the same county in Kent. Oh wow! Um, yeah, and we used I used to encounter David at, at various fisheries. What a heck of a fly tire that man is, and he's done so well for himself out in America. Yeah. Uh, it, it's just a joy. I mean, I see him occasionally, but uh, it's never long enough, and it's never never enough. That's right. Actually. Well, what's so with Davey? What I love because we talked, we've uh, talked about his story about how it came to be, and he he got out here. So, I mean, he he made the transfer. So, why? And I know you've done a ton of fishing out in the U.S. What's kept you back going back to UK? Why why not come out and you know hang <laughs> you out know, with I, us for good? <laughs> but for for the life of me, I've been asking myself the same question for the last thirty years. Um, you know, I first came out to America, and I I, I fell in love with it. Um, back in about seven, 1976, which is a heck of a long time ago, really, when you think about it, and the world's changed hugely. Um, and I, I, I think it's that fearful thing of always thinking that it was going to be more difficult than perhaps it probably would have been. Yeah. But, you know, I, I've been happy going... You know, if you look at it in this way, I've got the perfect, perfect life because I, I can come over and fish in i don't know northern california or or or, or eastern california or, or or montana or or you know wherever um i've got friends who've got some lovely water in colorado who i go and visit you know and i can celebrate the very best and still come back and fish the very best in britain so you know i really am you know i have had my cake and eating it too the whole lot actually <laughs> that's right yeah no you do i think it's pretty cool and yeah obviously we talk a lot about you know us and north america kind of well and south america but yeah we haven't focused we've had a few uk episodes um and i'd love to hear because you know you've got both of them covered right so when you talk about let's just stick on the nymph fishing game uh -huh, um, uh -huh. you know what's is there a big difference between nymphing say in the uk versus nymphing out in some of the rivers you've hit in the u.s not really um i remember you know again on that first trip out to colorado that um, I was fishing the frying pan one day and I suspect many of the people, you know, or the one person listening to this program, you know, <laughs> when I'm on it, um, will say, Oh, I know the Colorado. Um, I know the fr uh, frying pan. Um, yeah. but yeah, the, it was astonishing to me that people weren't fishing nymphs. I mean, I, I, 
they would now, but they weren't then. And I said, well, I'll huh. try these nymphs. I mean, surely they probably won't work, but I'll try. And it was like, you know, it was, it was really just ridiculously simple, actually. But um, subsequently, um, yeah, I mean, nymph fishing um, is it, a huge part of what we do over in the UK. Yeah. I mean, it really is. But we're still hidebound by rules. I mean, there are a number of areas that I fish about 20 minutes, 30 minutes from where I'm talking to now that are only allowing dry fly at this particular point as a season. Yeah. They don't allow nymph fishing, and you have to live with that. Yeah. Otherwise, you get banned. It's as simple as that. Well, why is that rule there? If you can come up with a good idea, I, I, I have no idea myself, <laughs> so I'm open to anyone that's got a good suggestion. I, I don't know because uh, – Years ago, when we had massive insect hatches, um, it, it was it, it was realistic. I mean, you had good large dark olive, which is abated right from the get go. They would hatch off when it was snowy, when it was raining, when it was hail. You know, typical sort of early season weather for us. Um, and but now um, those hatches have just dwindled away to virtually nothing, Dave. I mean, oh, wow. you know, we've just had a program on on our nation national tv um on a program called panorama who centered on the state of our rivers and the amount of raw sewage going in them well yeah i mean we have got a real problem in this country and we've got to face it but it's all it's all endemic to the reason why we haven't got the sort of hatches that we used to have that would create a dry fly only position at the beginning of a season because you didn't want to disturb the fish too much so you were putting this artificial barrier i suppose on on what you did now when you've got a situation like that now of course you're virtually not catching anything so yeah um, you, you've got hmm. to rely on them so whether the rules will change to accommodate it or not i don't know um gotcha. let's hope let's gotcha. hope okay um, yeah, I always think of that. That's what I think of, you know, and I, I, I haven't been there in fish and I definitely will look oh, forward got to getting to. there. I know. No, I, no, no. I, I'm going to get there. You have an open invitation. When we can travel, you have an open invitation to come and fish. There you go. All right. Perfect. So, but I always think of it just in my mind, I, you know, because you hear all the, you know, the dry fly fishing and then, you know, obviously wet flies that that's kind of all you think of. And, you know, I think at least I don't ever think of nip fishing in the UK, but yeah, it sounds like you do quite a bit of it over there. Well, we do because, you know, it, it's a natural progression to catching fish. I mean, yeah. you, you don't really want to turn up. No one wants to turn up onto a river and actually not catch anything. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, what's the point of that? Um, but, you know, there's a lot of times when actually a dry fly, it, it's, uh, I'm very well positioned where I'm, I, I am um, here in, in it's, it's, it's southern England. It's, um, not far from the coast, um, the south coast. It's not far from Salisbury, but I've got easy access to Wales. I've got easy access to chalk streams. I've got easy access to the West Country, where the rivers are incredibly different. They're mostly moorland, um, freestone rivers, where you know your usual, you know, parachute Adams or or, yeah. or a you know well presented hackle dry fly will bring fish up because they're hungry and they're eager to rise. So there's no real need to use uh, a nymph. Yes, you can use a hopper dropper style of, 
of mm-hmm. fishing. But there's absolutely the joy is actually just fishing these places that look as though they've come out of Rivendale gotcha. and, and you know just picking pockets with dry flies. It's great fun. But on on the more sedate rivers, you know the, the Welsh Usk, for instance. We've got an amazingly good, still, hatches of Granum, the early season caddis. Mm-hmm. And um, you can fish a dry fly pretty confidently most days, actually. Um, so it's not all doom and gloom. It's yeah. just that on many of the chalk streams, it is. And I'd much rather use a shrimp, um, a scud, or, or, or a nymph, really, um, to give me an opportunity of fish, if nothing else. Gotcha. Okay. Well, I wanted to, before we dig into more of the the kind of the tips and some of that stuff, um, I want to touch base on you because I know, you know, your background, I've heard some names thrown around about, you know, how you're the, uh, the lefty, uh, lefty cray of the UK and all all these, all these amazing things. But so I want to, I want to hear how you got started. So take us back. Let's go back to your actually, before you started fly fishing, How, how did that come to be? Well, I, I was dragged screaming, Dave, into fishing by my father at the age of about three or four. I didn't have a choice. <laughs> yeah. I mean, had I taken up any other st- type of sport, I would have been. I, I, I wouldn't be here talking to you. I don't think. Um, but I was really fortunate because I, I, I was born into a family that loved fishing. I was born into an age that actually accommodated fishing, and so, you know, my father had a little tiny chalk stream in Kent, um, and. We used to look after it. We used to just tender it. I mean, and for those not necessarily understanding what a chalk stream yeah. is, it's very much like a limestone river would be in Pennsylvania. Mm. So if you look at the Latour to the Yellow Bridges or something like that, you've got it. Yeah. Um, or even better still, anyone that's fished in Paradise Valley um, will get, you know, when you're fishing um, uh, Dupuis or any of those, that is pretty much the type of water i grew up and have always carried on fishing so clear wary trout mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. and i was grown up on that and my fa- father immersed me in this wonderful world and of course he had the gear of the time so he had you know the hardy fly rods and reels mm-hmm. and silk lines and you know it was just I, I didn't really want to do anything else. Right. Not really. Um, yeah. As soon as I picked up a fly rod and felt it and felt the movement of line and, and the way the rod moved with the line and vice versa, I just didn't, honestly didn't want to do anything else. And it, it's pretty much clouded my judgment. <laughs> did, you, did, did you ever have a, uh, along the way, any sorts of breaks where you kind of like, well, I need to take a break from fly fish and this is kind of a little, you know, a little too much. Not really. I mean, I, I you know, I was, and I, this is down on record, and I think probably in the vaults of somewhere, there's probably proof of it. I was the worst rock and roll singer in the history of mankind. Oh, nice. Yeah, well, not nice for anyone listening <laughs> to me, not nice at all. But um, yeah, I was on the road with, with oh, the wow. band for a few years. And um, what was the name of the group? Oh, we were we were called. Um, we had various names to accommodate various venues, um, but we were hundred weight. We were this. We were that. We ended up being rats at the end of the day. Um, That's all. I, I I love that you say this, Charles. This is uh, I just want to. I, I just was. Yes, I, my dodgy part. And this has never come out. In this public. is perfect. I've this is perfect. Run from it. Like, <laughs> 
like like a scalded cat. We got to dig into it. And I know you have a podcast as well, so I know you can appreciate the podcasting space. But I was just, I'm a podcast. I always love to joke about it. I'm kind of an addict. I listen to podcasts. I produce them. I do everything. But I was listening to one of my favorite podcasts right now. It's called Smartless. And, uh, and yeah. these, these guys were interviewing um, uh, Sir, so, you know, they're interviewing uh, uh, Sir Paul McCartney, right? Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. So, so Paul was on. And I've never really listened Whoa. to Paul on an interview really close. But, you know, I mean, he's just a normal, you know, a normal guy. He's a totally normal guy. He actually hmm. doesn't like the, you know, the stuff. But, it's, you know, obviously one of the greatest bands, maybe the greatest band of all time. So, so you got the Beatles, right? So you got the Beatles now. You were you thinking was that what got you going to music or no no I I've always been um, I mean I remember our roadie saying can we have everything louder than everything else which is a classic you know sort of <laughs> rock and roll thing and you know we we were Marshall stacks lots of lots of ampage lots of noise lots of everything um, and. You know, it was a honestly, Dave. It was the best couple of years of my life. Oh, I mean, cool. it was amazing. But um, yeah, touring with with you know people that wouldn't necessarily be known in in um, in America um, it was was extraordinary. Mm-hmm. Um, but there were there were bands like UFO and people like that who did actually and were heard of in the states. Um, mm-hmm. What instrument did you play? I was, a, as I say, I was a singer. I couldn't play a thing. I could barely sing. I could, you know, I yep. could just about, my timing was okay, really. Yeah. That was about, that was about the heaven. And it was a period where actually you were a front man and all the rest of it. And I had long curly hair. And so that, that was a plus. <laughs> um, and, it, you know, it sort of went downhill from there, really. Yeah. So this is like heavy metal. Yeah, it was. It was just out and out rock, and and you know, it was great fun. But the irony in all this, the absolute incredible irony, is the people that I used to watch back then, I fished with subsequently, and you know, I would never have been able to do that had I not fished, and I fished the entire time, mm. and it's a very strange sort of volta farsa thing. But I, I wouldn't have. But throughout it, I fished. Yeah, you know there was this this kid with hair halfway down his back, um, sort of long blonde curly head, <laughs> you know, so dancing around on the riverbank. It was the most bizarre thing. I mean, it was so bad, Dave. <laughs> I've got to tell you this, that my mother saw me walking down Canterbury High Street and actually was with a friend and walked onto the other side of the road <laughs> to avoid introducing right. me to yeah it was that bad that's but it good. was fun oh that's Lord, good it's fun yeah so so basically yeah. yeah you started out as you know as far back as you could remember and you've been fly fishing your whole time so how did you yeah. get to be where you're you know you've you've written all these books and it kind of feel it sounds like it kind of became a more than just uh just a pastime you did it for you know what you do yeah it was luck really um i, I guess you know i because i've always i've always painted my father was an artist um I've painted. Um, he he used to write a little bit, and I've always loved the written word as well. And you know, I've been fortunate. I've been incredibly lucky. I mean, I was able to write for the Daily Telegraph, the London Telegraph, on fishing, and and from that went on to something else, which went on to something else, which went on to something else, and it's just been a roller coaster. And it, it's never really stopped. It's been the most wonderful journey. It really has. It's been extraordinary. That's cool. Yeah, no, I I love hearing the stories. That's 
more, I mean, even for me, more than the, the tips and stuff, I love just hearing kind of how everybody kind of came into it. And I mean, I'm sure no, there's smart. probably, yeah, there's lots of people over there that have, uh, that are doing what you do right out of, out of your area. Yeah. I, but you have to work. I mean, I would say this, that you, you, you don't get anywhere. I mean, yes, luck has a role and a significant one, but you, you've got to work at it too. I mean, you can't just rest on your laurels. I mean, it's, it's like in any other sphere of life, you're only as good as the last thing that you produce. So you're always looking to top that. So the cast that I made yesterday, I want to better today or the technique that you develop, you know, to, tomorrow should be bettered by the one coming after that one and so forth and so on. So it's a continual process of, of trying to reach and attain more and more each time. So you never let up, never let up. Yeah, perfect. perfect. I um, I wanted to highlight, you know, Cam is a person who listens to this podcast and he reached out to me and and he actually noted, he was like, you you have to get Charles on the podcast. And this is, <laughs> you know, him. one of the great things about, I, I found my success, you know, and the success of this podcast has been by listening to people who listen to the show, right? So whenever I can, yeah. I get people on. So I appreciate Cam for reaching out. He was interested just in, um, you know, talking a little more about your journey and, and kind of, you know, how you've gone along from nymphs to wet flies to dry flies. I mean, do you pretty much, have you always done a little bit of everything or have you focused? Yeah, I, on, I yeah. have. I mean, the, the, I think the biggest change for me, the huge, I mean, the real, real, I suppose, area in the road that became not just a crossroads, a, a you know, almost a, a roundabout was um, when I moved from rivers to still water. And I know that still water and lake fishing is still very much in yep. its infancy, I think, in the United States. There's still this slight ambivalence about, you know, should I do this? Should I not? Will they still talk to me? If <laughs> I, you know, um, But for me, that's been a real, real adventure um, because there's so many layers, so many differences and it 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 does make you a better fisher it makes you a better caster you have to cast distances if you're dry fly fishing you have to be able to read the movement of fish you have to know about rise forms are they coming up from deep are they sitting underneath the surface you know gulping as you would have say um on on some of the western lakes um mm -hmm. and um so for me it's been a real area of, of interest and intrigue actually um so that's that's all to an awful lot so i've brought quite a bit of what i've learned on still water to to fishing on on mm. rivers because you know there we're using incredibly long leaders sometimes i mean the, the shortest leader i'll ever use on a still water is probably 18 feet yeah and that's the shortest so you know for me using a 12 or a 16 or a you know whatever foot leader on a on a river is nothing you know yeah. it's what I, I do normally um so yeah i think it, it's that that's where the big change was i think if you sit in one area of your fishing yes you get very good at it but i think you're losing the opportunity in a lot of other other areas too yeah. That's it. That's it. Okay. Yeah. And that makes sense. I mean, we've talked a little bit about lake fishing. We've had some, uh, you know, Phil Roy was on in a past podcast mm -hmm. and I'm hoping to dig more into it, but I feel like anybody that's new to fly fishing and that, you know, hasn't tried lake fishing or still waters or whatever should do it because it's, it's yeah. amazing. You know, I mean, it's a whole different world. It's like, you know, you're out there, it's, 
it's almost more meditative, to, you know what I mean, in, in a certain extent. Uh, do you guys, uh, we talked, you know, the lock style, is that pretty much when you talk about Stillwaters, is that something you... you no, we fish on? bank as well. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'll fish it all. Um, lock style, when, when you fish lock style, lock style has got semi-interpretations now. I mean, it's basically how you position a boat yeah. on a lake, really. I mean, thereafter, it's very different to how lock style evolved which is three or four flies stroke through the surface they still do it in ireland they still do it in scotland then we still do it in england too mm. and wales but essentially nowadays it's it's basically the way i've always likened it to people is it's a game of three three-dimensional um chess or, or, or mm. drafts um or checkers um where you've got the surface and then you've got all the layers underneath it and it's it's how you read, you know, where those fish are in the water column that, that determines your success. Yeah. And knowing about lines, sink rates, the whole lot. I mean, right. you, you, you are not one-dimensional. If you're fishing a lake, you, you should never be one-dimensional. And, you know, you, yes, you can do it the lazy way. And I'm going to say the lazy way. Yes, you can put out a, um, a sight indicator um, or a suspension device, if you mm -hmm. prefer, um, <laughs> and hang something off the end of it and just wait. Well, yeah, that's kind of ambushing. And it's not, you know, it, it, it's got its place. And I'd be the first to put a newcomer on that to get them into fish. But it's not what it's about. You know, no. if you, you, we've developed ways of fishing very small nymphs. And, you know, I say small, I mean, comparatively sized 10s, 12s, 14s, mm -hmm. and depths of up to 40 feet. Um, and using, strangely enough, I mean, just using styles that, you know, we've adopted from bass fishers from anywhere that we can find that would actually get us down to where those fish sometimes are because of, you know, very cold weather or very hot weather, yeah. um, where the oxygen is. So, it, it, yeah, it's, it's still a growing, it's still a, it's still a wonderfully wonderful area to still discover you know that's what i like about it there's still stuff to discover yeah yeah no i yeah and like i said we're going to do more Stillwater episodes uh as we go so that's great um maybe we can just dig in i wanted to focus a little bit on the nymph fishing um you know and yeah and sure. i'm not sure when you think of nymph fishing are you is it euro nymphing now for you or do you how do you describe it i mean what how would you describe well, to somebody it, yeah, your style crikey i, I mean <laughs> i don't think you know as somebody as somebody that fishes and you've got a river in front of you, I don't think you can fall into a style. Yeah. I think, I think you meet the river for what it it's suggesting on that day. And for you to have a specific style is limiting the op opportunities that you, you, you have quite frankly. Yeah. So I would suggest to anyone that you actually understand not just one particular component of the sport, but lots of them. And so you can adjust and you might bring in one from one area and into the other. I mean, the, the, there's all sorts of interpretations of, of Euro nymphing. I mean, yeah. you, you know, French nymphing is, is, you know, I've never seen anything so bent out of shape as French <laughs> nymphing. I mean, I've seen the French nymph and they pick a fish, a very scary, anyone that's fished in France will know this. I mean, those fish fear for their lives, <laughs> even a passing shadow, for goodness sake. I mean, they are so tricky to catch. And those fishers will actually use incredibly long leaders 
on very light long rods and cast very small weighted patterns upstream of that flight is upstream nymphing to the mm. highest possible degree that's french nymphing yeah. nowadays it's meant to casting out a little bit further than you would tight lining i.e czech nymphing or polish nymphing uh, and and doing you know basically fixed lining at range well it's not that's not french nymphing you know french nymphing is entirely different very very subtle thing indeed hmm that's that's so, interesting because when you say that it's hard. I, you know, again, I, I kind of tend to lump things, but so again, so French nymphing. The difference between French nymphing and say a Polish nymphing style is is what is the big difference? Well, one is done at range to observe species, whereas um, uh, say Czech or Polish nymphing or tightline nymphing is done almost you know underneath your rod. Oh tip right, right, with right, in close one, two, or three flies. Um, just on a very tight line. So it's cast upstream of you. It's always in control. You've got control of it. You can move it up or down the water column as you see fit. Yeah. And then away you go. Whereas the the classic, and I'm going to say the classic because you don't often see it done. It's very difficult to do. Um, French nymphing is where that species, that quarry is observed. You've marked it. You've marked its position. It's like dry fly fishing, only subsurface really for a very very difficult fish so um yeah that's where i see you know things a little bit you know the the terms used in a much broader sense than perhaps they were intended let's take a quick break for a word from our sponsor opst's micro series has been designed to pleasantly accommodate both single-hand and two-handed waterborne casts Sporting single-weld upper grips, switch-style lower handles, a medium-fast action, and a short length that makes almost anything possible. Uh, I've been swinging flies for trout with this uh, this lovely rod uh, with the Micro Series lately, and it's been really amazing. In fact, um, on my last dry fly trip, I actually put the uh, Skagit line away, grabbed an old reel with a five-weight line. Uh, I think it was a weight-forward line. Tossed that on this rod, and it casted. Uh, how did it cast? It was like a dream. Um, lots of power and a super delicate touch. It kind of feels like this rod pretty much does it all, so, um, so this is pretty amazing stuff. Whether you are swinging soft tackles, throwing heavy articulated streamers, or busting bushy salmon flies into the teeth of an afternoon breeze, these nifty little hybrid rods should have a permanent place in your quiver. Head over to wetflyswing.com OPST to get it started right now. That's wetflyswing.com OPST. Okay, let's get back to the show. I know you've written a, a number of books. Um, one of them is the, uh, I think it's the Sothersby Guide to Fly Fishing. Is Sotherby, that, yeah. yeah Sotherby. Classic can, guide, yeah. 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 Can, you, can, you talk, yeah. can you describe that book to somebody who hasn't read it? Because I know it's a pretty a, a pretty damn good book, right? Well, well, thank you for saying that. I mean, it, it's, it was done a long, long time ago now, but um, it, it, was, it was done primarily as an immersion into the sport. That it, You know, here was a book that you could have in a pictorial sense, and it's done very much... It was one of the f- first to break the mold in terms of how you offered your product or your your way of operating to to the to the reader. Um, whereas you know before there were lots and lots of words and a few pictures. Here were here were a lot of pictures and very much hmm. fewer words. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah. And um, so consequently, 
you know, it, it's heavily loaded towards um, illustration, uh, to photographs, to all sorts of areas um, that that give you a visual impact, not just necessarily, um, you know, a, a, a reading impact. So you've got both elements. Mm. Um, and it was really to introduce the sport on its widest widest route lots of flies a bit of casting instruction mm-hmm. um a bit on fly tying did you cover nymph fishing a lot on nymph fishing and <clears throat> we i was really fortunate because we had a big budget on the book um we i was able to go across europe and, and um to many extent some of the flies there if you look at date um there are gold heads there before anyone was putting gold heads into books hmm. and you uh, cdc patterns oh, are yeah. in there and before people were really turning on to CDC. So we had that real fabulous opportunity to bring what was then the cutting cutting edge of Europe into a book um, on an international stage. And it, it, it's, it, it's done very well. I mean, it, it would need updating now because there's yeah. an awful lot of stuff there that, that you know, has been improved on and, and has moved on. Yeah. Um, but in essence, yeah, I mean, it, it's still, um, it, it's still one of, one of few, I would have said, I mean, I'm, it sounds terribly grandstanding, yeah. doesn't it? <laughs> no. But it's one of few that actually offers the sport in its entirety, um, and enough or there's sufficient there to get you your yeah. first fit in that type of type of um way so if somebody was say in the u.s and they picked that book up right now could would that help them if they were brand new to fishing would that help them yeah, get into it absolutely and they could come over to the uk and fish on a still water and catch fish or they could go to a a lock in scotland and catch a fish and it, you know or they could go on to i don't know um the madison and catch a fish yeah. you know that's the idea of it now they may want to progress. They might want to then go on and get one of Gary's books or, or you know, whoever. Yeah. Um, but in essence, you know, it doesn't do anything in a in a very specific way. It, it 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 sort of dips in. It gives you an overview, and then it comes out and says, right, if you want to know more, go and go and concentrate on you know and specialize in that area. Gotcha. And I want to talk a little more about some of the other books um, that you've been a part of, but I am just curious, you know, as far as what has changed. So if you look at that book when you published it, I mean, you probably don't remember everything in it or whatever, but um, I mean, wh- is there anything that's changed if you focus on the nymphing since you wrote it to now and what, what has been the big? Yeah, I think, uh, well, um, certainly the upstream styles haven't changed. Um, and the, uh, I would say that the the significant area of change would be the tight lining, the almost total infatuation yeah. with fixed line fishing. And, uh, you know, it wasn't the lovely George Daniel. I mean, I, I'm sure you've had yeah. George on, on yeah. your show. And he, I, I think he's just a breath of fresh air in our sport. I really, really do. Mm-hmm. He's one of the most decent men I've ever come across, but he's one of the most competent anglers I've ever come across. Yeah. Um, but he brought out dynamic nymphing and, and, you know, he really did codify everything. I mean, if anyone wants to do nymphing, I'm going to come away from my book because yeah. if anyone wants to understand nymph fishing, then get George's book because it really is a turd of force. It yeah. truly is. 
and he doesn't. And I love the book, his book too. I don't even know if he calls it Euro nymphing, right? He doesn't want to even focus at that. It's just like you're saying, it's just nymph fishing, right? It's his style. Yeah. I, well, I think it, I mean, you know, Euro nymphing's only just been adopted the last few years yeah. because I think, I think it was put on, put on the base of fly rods to sell them. And my goodness oh, right. me, that, that's done that works. Well, hasn't yeah. it? Oh yeah. That's worked. Um, but, yeah, I think I think it's been codified by or, or created by the industry more than the angler, um, as so often is the case. But it it does it's a nice embraceive term to describe a variety of techniques which fall under the same canopy, which is basically fixed line fishing. It's basically high sticking, really. When it all gets down to it, it's high sticking. Um, yeah. You know, if you look at the lines, crikey, I mean they're yeah. as thin as a wisp. I mean, you know, I'm using when I'm fishing for grayling, which I think you do have occasionally yeah. in some of your rivers and lakes, yeah. um, you know, I'm using braid. I'm using, you know, bass fishers braid because I want a higher, um, you know, I, I want that feel as those flies go through the water column. Hmm. Not always, but sometimes. Um, and we've got lines now that are so thin that aren't really, you know, they don't have a weight as we know. Um, and they're emulating that that, that braid. So um, it's mm. where fly fishing. It, there is an argument to be said here, Dave. Is it fly fishing? Yeah. Because you're casting. Yeah, I mean, and, but I do use the rods that I would use for that that style when I'm dry fly fishing, and I do use some of those very very thin fly lines when the fish are very nervous because they just don't create a shadow. They don't hit the water with. The, degree of impact and there it's a very very effective way of fishing a dry fly yeah um so one can actually lead to another can lead to another yeah it you no. know it's just going to be open-minded and that's what fly fishing is so don't get stuck in a euro nymphing no. mode you know look to break out of it you know because at the end of the day dave i find it incredibly boring popping a fly up there and watching it tumble down towards me, fish below, and then doing, repeating it up through a riffle or a run or wherever. I just, it's yeah. really effective, but I just find it dull, actually. <laughs> yeah. No, I hear you. I think that's the best way. Yeah, keep mixing it up and do a little, yeah, do a little of everything. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, if you're not fishing with a smile on your face, don't do it. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Nice. Um, so, yeah, I guess... You know, I think there's a lot of ways we could take this. Um, I, I would like to touch again on your books. Can you just talk? Yeah. Do you Do you have a book, uh, or have you worked on a book focused on nymph, nymph fishing specifically? No, I haven't. Not not specifically. And I, I I think there are others better equipped to do it. Didn't you work on a? Didn't you work on? I don't know if you. Uh, I, I thought I heard you had like worked with somebody who had produced a Euro nymphing book or something like that. Or you'd help. I, I've done. You see that that's the thing. I've done an awful lot of illustrations for people. Oh, illustrations, I mean, I, right? Yeah, I've done a lot for people in in the Czech Republic. Um, they they've used a lot of my stuff. Um, Shiri Klima, who is widely regarded as as being the the father of Czech nymphing. Um, now he really is by. If you want a, a stunningly effective fly fisher, yeah, Jiri Klima for me is it. I mean, all right, we've got lots of really good guys now, but when you think, you know, he basically came up with the whole idea of of, of 
how you and where you put your flies in relationship to the other and how they fish in the water column and the reaction and what have I watched that man check nymph or, or you know tight line mm -hmm. down a, a, a riffle that could barely come up to your knee um <laughs> with a, a you know everyone thinks you use a 10 foot rod he was using something like an eight foot rod because he said that's what i do because <laughs> you know why use a 10 foot rod in an area that is not equipped for a 10 foot rod yeah you know point made so yeah you know he, he would check nymph even through a little tiny run with that and he just caught fish after fish after fish but you know it, it was his way of operating was so efficient so clever but it was all in how those flies fished and their relationship to one another on the leader and where they were positioned. That's what intrigued me. It's a high science. It's a high art. And, you know, there are people out there that like, like George who, who really understand that. Um, there are a number of others. I mean, you've got some wonderful Devin Olsen yeah. is another one. I mean, Devin understands it. You know, I, you know, I remember fishing with Devin on, on the, um, on the lower Henry's fork and um, we had a whale of a time but that time it was soft hackles ironically and <laughs> we were we were fishing upstream to fish in in the classic way um, but he's always been an absolute vacuum cleaner for information <laughs> i've never seen anything like it i talk about the ultimate angling sponge i mean he is i mean he just soaks up this information and then brings it to the fore in, in brilliance um, he's a very fine fisher. Um, and th th there is a, so many. You've got, you know, talk about the golden age of American fly fishers. You really have. I mean, but they're coming into this competition world of where, you know, it's about catching fish. It's about work rate. It is about, you know, sort of really taking on a stretch of water and making every single bit of it count. Um, and that's not for everybody, right? You know? it, it just isn't. No, no, I know. I think, uh, and actually, I've got uh, tactical fly fishing Devin's book right here sitting next. Oh, to there me. you go. Yeah, yeah. There you he's uh, he's been on a couple times as well. So, but if you look at that book, Dave, yeah, it's fascinating because if you look at the amount of patterns in there, there are very, very few. Yeah, actually, it's true. But it's how they're fish. We're back to how it's fishing rather than what you're fishing. Yeah. And this was, we're actually going back in time to where Sawyer started. It wasn't That's right. the complication of his patterns, Basic. it was the simplicity and how they were fished. Yeah. Not what fished. Huh. So the pheasant tail was, is a, yeah, I mean, obviously the pheasant tail is pheasant tail. I mean, literally, it, it's a, yeah. like you said, but. When that came out, what were what did the other nips, you know, what did they look like? Were they, like you said, were they just a, a wet fly with a little bit of thorax? That's all it was? Or what, how were yeah, they? I yeah, I mean, well, I, I used to, when I was guiding, you know, in those day, dim and distant days, um, I used to use Margaret Sawyer's flies. She used to tie them for us. And, um, you know, that they, they were exactly as Frank intended. They were, there were bits of feather with lots of copper wire on them. That was it. Yeah, and and I, you know, I've, I, I, I now kick myself for how many I gave away, how many I left in trees, how many I did this because <laughs> I haven't got a one to this. No day, kidding. So no, no, none. But um, yeah, um, they were so simple. Um, yeah. It just is proof you can you can 
create the most complicated thing on the planet and spend hours at the vice, or you can do the simple thing and then go fish. Exactly. No, this is great. This is great, Charles. I think, um, you know, I want to touch on your art here in a little bit um, and also get more of the, you know, the tips and stuff. But I didn't want to miss the podcast because obviously I love the podcasting and I, and you guys have a podcast, right? The fishing, uh, the fishing cast. Um, yeah, well, uh, I, I do a number the, oh, okay. um, uh, but Simon, I, yes, we, but we've moved on, darling. We've moved oh, really? on. Oh, yeah. I mean, I was wondering because, you know, I could tell you, no, I was just listening we're, we're to that. We're vlogging the, the, now. We're vlogging. Oh, I mean, it's, oh. yeah, it's terrifying. We, we're actually doing these things live and, um, we can see people. It's terrifying, you know, because you, well, and we take on issues that really, um, we, shouldn't at our age take on i mean you know it's not good for the heart like well is it is it is this politics or conservation no it's it well no it's mostly about um should you be fishing streamers on chalk streams and if you're going to divide a room and get death in the in the camp that's going to be it um you know yeah. um kelly gallup um yeah would probably um yeah and i kelly is is just what people forget about, sorry, I'm dancing off at another yeah, no, go for tangent it. again. Go here. for it. But what people forget about Kelly is he, he's he's one of the best nymph and dry fly fishes you'll ever find on the Madison. Yeah, yeah. he's only seems to be known for his rather curiously co- named um, streamers. But um, yeah, yeah. Well, what's your what's your take? I'm curious on that, Charles, because um, oh, I don't God. get in. I don't get into the uh, obviously. I don't talk about politics or religion. You know, every <laughs> on here, but you know. I love Kelly. Kelly's been on here a couple times. Oh, we've we've built a good me? friendship as well. But he was recently oh. he was recently called out over here by a very uh, uh, another friend of mine who 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 I know and uh, and he called him out and said, you know what, we need to stop using uh, those derogatory names. I mean, what's your what's your take on that? Well, you know, it, the man's entitled to call a fly what he wants. Yeah, I mean, you know, people, my my parents and and, and many others fought. And this is going to sound really, you know, dark, but they fought in world wars as many people's parents did and others have subsequently for a thing called freedom of speech. Now I'm the most liberal person going, I really am. And, but I haven't got a problem with it. The more you, you point a finger, an accusational finger at something, the more the problem becomes exacerbated because yeah. you draw attention to it. Exactly. Now, who cares? <laughs> I mean, did, you know, really, who cares? Did the trout that was caught on, you know, a sex dungeon, yes, I've said it, yep. um, really care whether it was caught on that fly or not? I mean, no. you know, what you call it is, is it, it doesn't make sense to me. I, I'm living in a politically sensitive yeah. world that seems to be running almost fearful of itself dave yeah do you find that over there because i, I obviously oh, God, I, yes. yeah so it's pretty yeah. politically you have to be politically yeah. correct or you get in trouble yeah no no we, we you know you really have to watch your p's and q's i mean you really do i have to be very careful when i write something oh gosh if someone reads this in this way what are they going to think instead yeah. of saying well you know um 
print yeah. and be damned. You know, nowadays you're going, oh, I'm not sure I can say that. Right, because right. everything, <laughs> you know, say, everything's recorded uh, too nowadays, right? That's the thing. That's the, that's the thing. Yeah. I mean, literally every, like you're saying, you're doing the vlogging, but this is being recorded. There's going to be, we're going to actually have a transcript of this entire podcast, right? So there's going to be a whole written yeah, document absolutely. of it. So it's pretty, it's and, pretty and amazing. Someone will, the depressing thing is that someone will probably pour over it and, yep. and look for some little tiny chink that we we, we right. did either of us and, and and call us out on it you know i remember you know going back to that book i remember putting out running parallel contiguously to that was a book called dark pools which i loved i mean mm. it was me it was about you know growing up on chalk streams da 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 it's out of print now but it was my soul that book and i mm. had this four page letter I remember it four-page letter telling me that I put a comma in the wrong place. Oh, wow. Yeah, oh, wow. Gosh. And I thought, you've missed the point here, buddy. Yeah. You really have. And, that is and crazy. So I'm aware that there are people out there that actually do nothing else but want to look for something and denigrate what others have done. And I, I'm so tired of that. Yeah. You know, none of us gets it right no. all the time. I get it wrong most of the time yep but i don't want people to constantly remind me of me getting it wrong frankly i know when i've made a mistake i know when i screwed up yeah so you know let's have some levity let's have some kindness yeah you know what i find charles and i totally agree with you i i actually look at our example today the way this podcast remember uh, i screwed up yesterday right i thought <clears throat> i thought we were going on a day early <laughs> um, and, right. And I, and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm, and I thought it was like, oh, and I actually thought it was your fault. And, and I could have, I could have re- wrote something, you know what I mean? And said, man, yeah. Charles, what are you doing here, buddy? This Wait, is, oh, come on, what? who's, who's going to well, skip I, out? Right. And, and, but I was wrong. I was wrong. And I never said anything about it because that's the way I am. I, I don't really say stuff because I just feel like, you know, and it turned out that you were the, you were the right. I was wrong. Right. So it's like, well, but the thing is that who, who was going to win over that? It, yeah. it, you know, if I'd made a mistake, I would have been absolutely appalled. I, I've been felt so bad. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, this is it that most people know when they've made a mistake, most people feel pretty bad about that yeah. mistake to be continually reminded of that mistake is, is un it's unworthy, frankly. Yeah. And I, I get very upset by this. Um, and, and, you know, if Kelly wants to call a fly that he's created, that he's come up with, that yeah. he's fished, that he's made, you know, through his genius, and that's the right word, yep. um, why he should, you know, if he wants to call it, you know, Ermintrude, why not, you yeah. know? Yeah, yeah, I um, love that. No, I love that. I think it's... Uh... You know, and I, and I remember when it came out because I was friends with both of these guys and uh, and I was like, gosh, I, I guess I'm kind of in the middle. Yeah, I mean, it feels like, you know, I, I kind of agreed with what you're saying there. So, yeah, well, we'll leave it at that. But I appreciate you kind of yeah. uh, shedding some light on that. I, I did want to back to the podcast because I love, again, the podcast. So you have this show. So are you saying you you have the fishing cast and then you have another podcast or is No, this... well, it sort of evolved. I mean, we, we are trying to do both, but we're finding it's, you know, because, it, you know, you know how much time yeah. it takes um and you know i'm a working chap just same as simon is yeah and, and um yeah we 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 kind of just take topics and it's sort of evolved because people really wanted to get involved so you've got you know 500 people you know in front of you oh, and wow. live and you go oh i better not mess up <laughs> here um and it's really like 
jumping out of airplanes without fun. parachutes. Yeah, it is. It kind of is. It's, it's like being back on stage again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so in that cast, so basically what you do is, and I haven't watched the video, but basically oh, you, you got guys, to. Yeah, okay. So I'll, I'll put a link out to that video and I'll take a look. Yeah. At, yeah. yeah. Um, so you basically cut, you take the video, you take the audio and then you post that onto your podcast. Yeah. Yeah. So that's yeah. the so fishing cast. It, it, yeah. 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 That, 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 that's it keep doing that because i think the oh cool no thing, we will yeah i love i've been i've been listening to it and just kind of in the background and that's why podcasting is great right because you can just listen as you're going and yeah i love the dialogue between you and simon you know what i mean like it's just it's really fun and entertaining who, like, who is simon and like how did you connect is he like an old friend okay, well, yes yeah, simon's a very old friend and simon is in a very very well-received author i mean in 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 a proper circle I mean, he's written books on racehorses and otters and chalk streams and all sorts of things and you know he's really quite a celebrated chap yeah. um mm. but he runs a um a, a very very good company called fishing breaks which uh leases water to uh day rod so if somebody was coming from america um yeah. Not that they can at the moment, and I can't come over there, which is a huge frustration. But <laughs> um, um, they could book up with Simon and fish bits of the test, bits, bits of the itchin, so forth and so on. So he concentrates primarily, not entirely, but primarily on the southern chalk streams. And so he does leases. So, you know, you can go in there and, and get your own. And I've, I've worked with Simon in the past. Um, and he, he also hosts, and this is coming up, um, he got the idea. He fished the Jackson Hole One Fly, um, uh, which you'll probably know. Um, yeah. And he's brought that to the River Test and the Itchen and the, the Southern Chalk Streams. And uh, hmm. we we do it too um, in a very different way because it's got to be you know very carefully maneuvered and manipulated because you bring in riparian owners and so forth. And we've just yeah. got to know one another over the years and. Because we're incredibly mm. different um, in character, um, it, 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 I think it kind of works. I mean, you know, I, I, I tend to come from a, a much more angling, immersed background, whereas um, I, I think it's fair to say that Simon comes from, a, you know, a, a learned background um, mm. and from the the more business side of, of fly fishing. Um, yep. So... It, it's a very intriguing mix, actually. And we don't mind taking yeah. on topics. That's just Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Yeah, you guys take on some good some good like yeah. I think one of them was the was the north versus the south, right? Yeah. Oh, that was interesting. Um <laughs> Yeah, and I always get I always end up with the sort of short straw, but don't mind that. I don't mind that at yeah. all. You know, it's that's good. Yeah. But they're fun. That's good. We'll keep, fun. keep it up. Oh, keep we it definitely up. will. Definitely will. Awesome. All right. Well, before, you know, there's obviously we haven't dug in. I, this has been great because we've dug in a lot of your background. I love that. But I did want to touch on, again, going back to nymphing. So let's talk about just today. So if you're going out today to your stream that's 30 minutes away and uh -huh, you're going uh -huh. to be nymph fishing, can you talk about your setup, what you would be using? Maybe just start us with a leader and stuff like that. Well, it depends on which river I went because I've got, I've got a number of rivers I could actually go at. Um, but if I said went to one, it's quite clear. Um but it's quite small. It's the River Frome, which is just outside of Dor Dorchester. Um, it's overlooked. If anyone has got any idea of, of, of literature, it, it's uh, Thomas mm. Hardy has got um, oh, wow. had, his, had his cottage there. Um, so, and those 
that backdrop has changed very little um, in, in the hundreds of years, really. Um, but the rivers there are absolutely gin clear. Um, and you can count every pebble, you know, every bit of wavering um, water weed, you know, it's, it, it's incredible. And the fish are so shy. So I would hmm. probably, if I couldn't use a, a 10 foot two weight, I would yeah. probably use a nine foot three weight. That would be my go-to, I think. Um, and then I would use a very somber colored fly line. Um, I would use a leader that was possibly, um, I would say between 14 and 18 foot in length, dropping down to about 6x tippet. Mm -hmm. I'd have, beginning of the season, I'd probably have a bit of flash, so a gold or a silver head, maybe a, 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 a grey pattern or, or, you know, a dear old pheasant tail, actually. Um, yeah. little copper-headed pheasant tail or something like that. And just fish the runs. But what we do do, um, there is a, a product used by uh, what we call coarse fishers who fish for the smaller silver fish. And they, they fish matches. And in order to meet the changing light conditions that they find, and they, they use bobbers floats, um, they, they paint the antennae. They have a paint that's created, I think, in France um, that looks like correction fluid, only colored. Okay, if you, you're with me here. And you can paint your leader with this, actually. Um, and you can paint it bright fluorescent yellow or um, fluorescent red or black or white or whatever you want. And I would paint my leader so I could see it. And so I would have a clear section of maybe about 8 to 12 feet uh, tapering down to, as I say, about 6x. And, and then I'd probably put in these little markers. I wouldn't want to put an indicator in because it's too bulbous. I wouldn't want to put a you know, great big you know, bit of you know, half a sheep in there, so it bobbed down the current. I wouldn't want to do that. Um, I, I'd want accuracy because I'd be observing my quarry. So I'd work upstream. And any likely area, I would just cast and maybe fish between the weed beds and what have you. But I would be casting upstream, so I'd grease up that lead i grease up my fly line so it floated and i would grease down to this this colored section and just fish those nymphs and if i saw that colored section hesitate drift across the current dip under i would lift at any slight sign any slight sign at all and that's how i would adopt so i'd, I'd look for my quarry if i couldn't see them you know you'd always know that if if I was fishing in Colorado, or I was fishing in, in in Dorset. It would make no difference. Those fish live the edge of seams, just where it's nice and easy, or or at just at the front of a pool or at the back of the pool where there's the most food coming towards them. So fish are fish. So you instinct will guide you to those places, and so that's what I would I would adopt. And I. I I would keep everything really, really simple. I mean, I don't overcomplicate it. Now, I'm saying one fly because we pretty much mm -hmm. would be restricted to one fly this time of year. Right. So, you know, if, if I wasn't, then I would definitely use what we call clink and dink or, or hopper dropper. So I'd have a, a mm. clink hammer or something on a dropper. Not, I don't tie off that bend of the hook. I always okay. have a dropper uh, because they're very often going to come up and nail that. And I found that fish coming up and taking a, a fly with nylon wrapped around the bend of the hook 
tend not yep. to take as well. So I have a, a dropper, and then I'd have that nymph coming off it maybe 18 inches or, or thereabouts after that. Um, and that's a great search way. Um, and, you know, again, if I couldn't use a 10-foot rod, I would use a 9-foot. I would cast maybe about two rod lengths out and just fish that down through likely lies. And that I found incredibly effective if I can do it, if I'm allowed to do it, which yeah, I would gotcha. be in and, Wales. So, yeah, which you would be. Yeah. And what is the, uh, what's the dropper knot you would use on that? I use a surgeon's knot, actually. Okay. Um, yeah. And just use the downward facing bit, not the upward facing. Everyone goes, oh, look, there's a bit sticking up and it won't. Yeah. You know, don't do that. That's a nasty hinge and it will break. Um, right. Use the downward facing one <clears throat> and and keep it about four inches long. Um, okay. Not much longer, but uh, not much shorter either, because if you need to change, you won't have anything to change to. So, um, yeah, that's what I would do. And then just hanging off there. But... Um, there are all sorts of cunning devices that I've come up with down the years, which involve um, tying in um, a section through a fly. Um, and you can slide that fly up and down that nylon section. And so you can adjust your depth as you go along a, um, a pool or um, a shallow, whatever, and you can still fish your nymphs. So you don't have to change, you know, tippets or anything. You just move the position of that floating fly. And it's um, something I saw first done by a, a wonderful Italian um, fly dresser called Oscar Palou, who sadly passed away a couple of years ago. And he was the most innovative fly tire I've ever come across mm. in my entire life. Incredible. How do you spell his last name? P-A, um, it's either two L's or one, and I can never remember which, but it's P-A-double-L-U, Palou. Oh, okay, Palou, gotcha. Yeah, Oscar Palou, fantastic. Let's take a quick break for a word from our sponsors. TurtleBox is the loudest, truly portable, waterproof Bluetooth speaker available. Perfect for a skiff, drift boat, or your craft of choice. The guys at TurtleBox believe in respecting the peace and beauty while on the water, but listening to great tunes before or after can be amazing. The features I love most on this one are the quality bulletproof frame, easy to push and lighted buttons, and uh, at home you can add another speaker for uh, stereo. To be honest, I've been using uh, this speaker quite a bit around the home and the dance party with the kids has been great. Find out why TurtleBox is our go-to speaker and why it is great for the river as well. Head over to wetflyswing.com slash turtlebox to support a great company, this podcast, and some tunes. Okay, now let's get back to the show. And can you remind me again what you're talking about there about adjusting the fly? Okay, how, how does so that... you, you've got, you have a, you're tying a fly, okay? So you've got a fly, you've got a hook in the vise, and then you put on the hook shank some foam. It's really important that you put some foam on the hook shank because that's the sort of almost a gripping part of it and then before you've built anything else of the fly you tie in a section of nylon you know a bit eight pounds oh, yeah. nine pounds ten pounds and you put a little tiny um 1.5 mil or two mil um little um ring one side and one the other when after you've tied the fly of course so you put in that section and then you build up you could be a stimulator it could be all sorts of things but you just build up your fly 
on top of that that setup. And that way, when you move that fly, when you've bound that nylon into the dressing, you, you've actually made it part of the entire fly so you can move it up and down. All right. Are you with me? Yep. And it's a really effective way of, of accommodating debt very quickly. Huh. That's cool. Um, and, and you're saying this, uh, uh, Palu, he's, he's the guy that kind of uh, created. Oh, he was can... way ahead of any of us. I mean, he came yeah. up with a polyphytus nymph where you actually put a bead on a, on a, um, a, a, on, on a pin and just had it oh, proud wow. of the dressing. Oh, it's just all sorts of stuff. Where could you find that thing? You is there a, like a video or any resource um, out there where somebody could? Oh, take, I, yeah. I, yeah. Oh gosh! Look, the best thing if anyone's really intrigued about it, I've got some photographs yeah. of it somewhere. Um, it came okay. up. It cropped up in a in a conversation because someone said, "Oh, this is brand new." No, it's not. I think a friend of mine, um, Steve Cullen, um, did it on a uh, a video on a YouTube thing. And um, if anyone okay. is really intrigued, just get in touch with me, and I'll I'll make sure I download that Steve's video so they get a good okay. idea. I and mean, it okay. is Scots, so yeah. if anyone doesn't understand it, if not, I'll do it <laughs> myself. <laughs> all right, all right, perfect. And then, uh, and then, like we said, the, the, your website or is there is the best place so they can get your yeah, email yeah, there? Probably the best, best, and the quickest way is just send me a message on Facebook, and that way, that way, I'll know I'm going to get it. So I wanted to just kind of, you know, kind of wrap up the, you know, your, your take us to the stream. So you're there. So we've, you've described the setup, the rod, the leader, um, and kind of the fly. So, and the technique, so that's pretty much it. And so you get started yeah. that way and then, and then adjust as you need. I mean, why not yeah. that, what you described there, why wouldn't you just use that all of the time, even if the stream isn't super clear? Is there a reason why you Oh wouldn't? no, no, I'd use it all the time. I mean, it's, it's, I, it's a lovely way. You know, I love fishing. We call it duo. Um, duo fishing or if there's three flies involved trio fishing um oh, it's yeah. just a lovely search method which is it always artistically it it it, it really does um have a a, a a chord it strikes a chord with me it really does dave i mean i like fishing it i mean the, the lovely thing about fishing that that hopper dropper did method is that it allows you to cover water and that you know, it's super for water coverage and it's visible and it's just great for anyone who, um, is newish to the sport. Um, you, you, you've got them in the stream and you've got them fishing at a depth, which they can't see that, you know, is productive, but giving them the visual, um, opportunity of a dry fly and the movement, if it goes under or if a fish takes, you know, you've got that advantage. So, and that's good for a newcomer. It's good for, you know, not so newcomers, actually. So it works on so many levels. You know, as you go up, you know, as the streams around here get finer and, and, and you know, the water be, gets shallower, then you have to start looking at some fairly, fairly um, subtle versions and, and cast upstream mm. to visible fish. And, you know, that that's another another side to nymph fishing, which is absolutely absorbing. I mean, yeah, watch a quarry to actually mark it, you know, look at its light, work out how it's feeding in relationship to the current and the water column and the velocity. And then getting that fly to come down at that same depth or just to the right. side of it is is for me 
the absolute quintessence of fly fishing. Yep. And yeah, I, that's... I think, <laughs> you know, it, it, it really is. I mean, I think that's why dry fly fishers don't like nymph fishing because it's so difficult. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Right. Well, I was just going to say that's what was my question is that, you know, casting a dry fly and, and making it plop and, and hit the surface and a fish come up is, is pretty, can be challenging too. But you're saying this sounds like this is actually harder than, than dry fly. Oh, gosh, yeah. I think nymph fishing done in that way is probably the hardest. It's a pinnacle of our sport. And having said that, I, I've fished way too many times on, um, you know, Dupuis and other, you know, like Henry's Fork. Um, when there's a big hatch on, you know, when you're fishing dry flies, <laughs> to realize that, you know, nymph fishing can be difficult. So can dry fly fishing too. Yeah. Are you, are you using any, um, are any weight on the leader or is this just, just weighted flies? No, just weighted flies. Um, yeah. and I, I would say this to anyone, uh, as soon as you start weighting leaders, I, I, I abhor lead shot with a, with a, you know, uh, uh, yeah. um right you know i know everyone is a great fan over there but oh no yep um, yeah no lead no lead no lead um you know it, you can do anything with the types of flies that we're now designing in the way that we're designing you can overcome any current any current known to mankind i mean you can put in two or three tungsten beads if you want you you've got shell backs made out of tungsten You've got all kinds of things that you can make part of the dressing that, that can add something to the, the dimension. And I don't see any, any reason to use lead shot apart from even if you were yeah. using maybe streamers, maybe. Um, but even then, um, we've got some fairly subtle, you know, lead impregnated leaders, um, poly leaders with, with tungsten in them. And, yeah. and 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 um, fly lines that sink too, sink tips. So there is really no need to use that. I I can't see any advantage because it holds up differently in the water column. It it doesn't make things look realistic. It it deadens them, it, it, to mm -hmm. my way of thinking. So there's an awful lot of reasons not to use it, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's a great great point. Well, let's um. We got a little segment on here we call the 222, which is the top two tips, top two flies, top two resources. And, uh, oh, okay. and maybe we could just kind of, yeah, yeah. Maybe we could just think it on the nymphing. We've been talking about nymphing here. So, you know, let's start with the flies. Are there a couple of flies? And take us again. We're going to your stream there. What would be two flies oh, on my put, if you could put on? Yeah, okay. yeah. Well, I guess maybe let's just go in general. Let's just say if you had to pick two flies, you know, I, that's a hard one probably, but two flies for nymphing, what, what flies are your, your go-to? Yeah, the trouble is, I, you know, I, it, to me, it's where they fish, not what, what they are. Um, yeah. But, I mean, you know, it's the usual old thing. I, I'd want a pheasant tail. I mean, I would want yeah. a pheasant tail of some description, be it in a, in a sort of a midge-like configuration or <coughs> – just a classic style. What about a pheasant tail with a flash, like a flashback pheasant tail, like a, a uh, wing case of, yeah, you but like then, any of that stuff? Yeah, I, okay, well, look, I'll concede. You can have your flashback pheasant tail as long as I can have my <laughs> my copper-headed hairs here, um, which yep. are, all, are right. fake all over That's the true. So I'd, I'd want one with a bit of flash and one definitely without because I think there are days, Dave, when – you know, we, we, we've gone completely yeah. overboard with building in flash in flies. 
what about these Euro nymphs? So you see these things out here, and they got—I mean, some of them don't even look like bugs, right? They're pink, they're purple. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, your, we, is that? We used, yeah. Well, a pink fly came about because a great grain loved pink, um, especially to after Christmas over here because they're on salmon eggs and all the rest of it. So, oh, right, right. You know that there is a reason to use use them. Mm-hmm. What about purple? We, do you know what? We don't have that many purple flies over here. We yeah. really don't. Not compared with with you guys. Um, yeah, we got a purple. Really it's crazy. Don't. People love purple. I know. I know. Um, and I think there is a, a genetic difference between our fish. I really do. I think you know that the, there are times, or there are there are discrepancies between our, our, our various ways in which our fish will behave to certain things. And I just. You know, there's probably about two patterns that call for purple in the UK. That's about it. Now I'm running out of huh. ideas. You know, I really yeah. am. Um, right. I mean, we do have the odd purple pattern for grayling, um, where we in- inject a bit of purple. But um, no, yeah. I mean, really, yeah. they're, they're yeah. very, very rare. Um, yeah, very rare. So you got to... So you got the pheasant tail. So in your other pattern, if it would be, I definitely want a hairs here. I definitely want yeah. a hairs here because yeah. there's always scud. There's always caddis. I mean, it's like the you know, as Lefty said, it's a grocery store. You know, it, you know, it's, yeah. it's it's just there. So I've got yeah. two, you know, two flies there that I, I know one slightly light, one slightly dark. So, yeah. but where I would concede I'd want a bit of flash is probably in the thorax of the pheasant tail. And I'd use that peacock eye stub. Um, oh, which, yeah. Which gives me all the flash I ever need, frankly. Yeah, that's right. Well, and some of those dubs have, they do mix in a little bit. Well, yeah. even peacock can kind of look purplish depending on how the light Well, it can. Up. But what the, the, the other thing I would, I would actually ask for um, if I was given the choice is those flies, but in different hook-shaped configurations. Oh, right. Like, like what would be the hook? different types of hooks. I, I, w- I would want both styles i would want the scud style the you know the grub yep curve style and yeah i'd also want the straight style and i would i would literally alter the way in which i fish by the shape of the hook so if you had a so if you had a scud <coughs> style uh, pheasant tail how, how would you how would that how would you fish that well, I, I mean, I'd fish it probably near the bottom, like a, a midge or something like that. So you've got those yeah. lovely options. So you've got a swimming nymph, you've, you know, in a straight shank, yeah. or you've got a curved one, which looks like a, a fetal position midge or something like that. So by having different hook weights and hook configurations, you can cover a multitude of sins, actually. You really can, if you think about yeah. it. The permutations that you can have as an infisher just by altering those two things, hook style and hook size, is bewildering, absolutely bewildering. And I think we all yeah. carry way too many patterns. Yeah, know. that's totally true. I, I'll take a pheasant tail and, and a hairs, but I struggle with the hairs here a little bit just on my tying because it's like proportions are always a little strong. What, what's uh, your, you, know, you know, proportions go to hell as soon as the trout starts eating them. I mean, yeah, they, that's true. That's true. Buggy anyway. Don't worry about yeah. it. Just go fish it. Doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, don't obsess. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. So, <laughs> so basically, so we're out there in the water. So we've got, say, we got the scud style, and then say the the um, 
the the hair's ear is more of the straight style. How would you would you put one on the lead fly versus the other? Or how would you fish that if you wanted to get, oh, get right. one on okay. the bottom well, and then one maybe nice emerging? Simple. If I if I was fishing the scud one, I'd make that slightly bigger and have the or vice versa. But I would make that the dominant one and then taper off and have a, a smaller pheasant tail or a pheasant tail up the leader. On, to, on the dropper. Yeah, 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 yeah. Gotcha. Definitely. Yeah, so you'd get it down on the bottom. Yeah, that makes sense. So, yeah, so, so you got the scud on the bottom. <clears throat> I would use the hairs here because it, it you know, it, it, it almost incites a, uh, a bigger insect or creature. Um, yeah. And, oh, you'd put that on your, your main, your lead fly? Well, I... Or, or, or not i mean i would, no, no. i would use that as my fly to actually take me where i needed to go in depth terms and either have coming off that on the point a small little pheasant tail so it's oh, hinging and articulating in the lower current or i'd have it up the leader if i felt the fish were higher up in the water column how do fish adjust in the water column? Do you think you know, like, why would they be on the bottom versus? Well, they've got fins, up? which you know yeah. help. You know, is the hydrofoil of them. But I mean, I think it's determined very much by where the food is, and if yeah. it, if there is not a hatch, and I've watched this so many times in in the states, um, if there's a hatch in process, they will come up the various levels to accommodate the hatch, and they're very very good at doing that. So if you're not seeing any activity on the surface, I would fish on the bottom. Um, it's yeah. as simple as that. I mean, all right, they could be fishing mid-water, but there's always going to be a residue of fish at the bottom. So yeah. Um, yeah, that's, right. that's where that's where I'd look to fish. But um, I, I'd still want, you know, you've got your fly down there, but they may not take the big one, but they will be less suspicious of a little tiny one, say a little tiny pheasant tail, than they would a great big hairy hairsier. Yeah. So, gotcha. No, I use that very much as a stalking horse. You know, that's that's my Trojan horse that goes in and and you know gets me in through through the door, and then I'm fishing. You know, a nice little delicate nymph thereafter. So, yeah, uh, you know, one one helps the other, which helps the other. But it, it the the nice thing about that system is if the fish do come up the water column and by having a different style of hook or a different size of hook. I can immediately fish that pheasant tail up near the surface as an emerger if I need to. Hmm. That's right. So yeah, so you can just so it can be an emerger just a, a yeah, yeah, like yeah. no bead no bead head just no bead head at all. Fit. Just do you put beads and and you use beads on your flies sometimes? Oh gosh, yeah. I've got loads of yeah. things. You know, I've got yeah. boxes. I mean, I I've even you know done as George has done, which is you know still heavy, and I even got to the yeah. point of weighing the perishing things. I mean, that's a bit depressing. Right. Because, <laughs> you know, certain manufacturers have beads that weigh yeah. substantially less than cheaper. others, even yeah, though they're the same ones. size. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to know. I don't like surprises. You know, if I go out in the water, yeah. I don't like surprises. What do you use for a scale uh, on those guys? Oh, just a little, that... little jewelers. Um, yeah. Um, digital scales. I mean, you can get them off the internet for next to nothing. And you just oh, put yeah. your bead on there and you go, oh, right, okay, well, just weigh your fly and boom, away you go. And that Perfect. goes into the, you know, the whatever weight category. And, and so you build up a really good fly box of flies that you know what's going to happen as soon as you take them out of that box. I mean, yeah. I, I, live, I live a life of utter chaos. Um, and I, I'm the most, you know, completely disorganized person of anyone I know. 
until it comes to my fly box. <laughs> then, you, then you're then you're good. Can we maybe we get a picture of that fly box and put it in the show notes just so people could t- see what yeah, it looks sure. like. I'll, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, no, I'll I, I'd love to see. I'd love to see what that looks like. Yeah, um, yeah I'll so, do that. So I love that. So chaos, and I guess am I kind of the same way? I don't know. I guess I'm a little. I'm actually more chaos both ways. But so what is what does chaos mean in your in your normal life? Uh, well, just generally, I mean, I I, yeah. I work in a state of you know complete illogical chaos. I mean, it, if anyone saw my working pattern during a day, they go what on earth is happening you know what is going on you know how can this yeah. chat be productive well clearly he isn't um <laughs> right so consequently um you know i i have to have order somewhere and it might as well be my fly box <laughs> exactly that's right good well we'll, we'll stick uh we'll, we'll try to get a photo of that Let, yeah, let's no, keep on the 222 definitely. so so the so the uh, so so two tips if you're out there nymph fishing we got the setup we talked about what what you know if somebody's new to it what what kind of tips would you give them to help them find a fish? Um, I would, you know what I'm going to do something really cheap. I'm going to say go fish with somebody that knows the water. That yeah. would be my top tip. You know, don't try right. and do this on your own. This madness. So, yeah. <clears throat> Even if I'm going into a new part of a state or whatever in America, I don't just assume yeah. I know it. You know, I find someone that knows that water and, and yep. you know, I will make hay whilst the sun shines because I'm with somebody that knows that water intimately day in, day out. Now, if that's going to cost me a, a, a day's guiding fee, so be it. But it, it's going to yep. pay me in dividends um, after even even taking me to locations makes a big difference. Yep. And then pointing yep. out the water because each each river, each section, Dave, is idiosyncratic. It's it really is. And and you know, someone say, Oh no, no, there's a there's a undercut bank here or or there's a little, you know, sort of a uh, a back eddy yep. over there or you know, something. And so consequently, you know, y- you are getting and stealing a march on everybody else including yourself because if you think you can take on a new river or a new place on your own then it's going to be the steepest learning curve and you'll just get frustrated hmm. and won't fish well yeah what what if you what if you were a like a hardcore wet fly fisherman or dry fly fisherman you knew the river pretty well um but you were trying nipping nymph, for the first time would that be like different would you would you maybe give somebody a different tip there um probably if they were dry fly fishing i'd say look just use a nymph but fish it in the same way as you'd fish a dry fly okay but have some kind of indication that you're used to so have an indicator have a small indicator have a you know use a hopper drop use something that you are familiar with Mm -hmm. don't go too far out of your comfort zone that you don't enjoy the experience um yeah because if you're coming to a new a new way of operating, you've got to have confidence in that that thing working. You won't have confidence in it because you won't have seen it work. You know it works, but it hasn't worked for you. So you have to yeah. buy in that confidence somehow, some way. So consequently, <clears throat> by using something you're familiar with is is a almost a an encouragement to fish something different beyond that so yeah. 
hopper dropper is an ideal solution. The hopper actually. dropper is great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And how would, on that hopper dropper, how would you set that up if you had two flies? How, how would you? Right. Would, I would uh, have, you, I would have, um, I would have a, a, if it was a newcomer, I'd have 12 foot of leader yeah. down to about, say, five, six sets, probably five X. And then I get six X or, or five, depending on, on, on the type of fish I was fishing for, you know, it's a big fish or whatever in big sprawling river, then you don't want to fish too light, <clears throat> yeah. but five X, um, six X is fine. Um, I wouldn't want to go too much heavier because the heavier the nylon, the bigger the diameter. And if you're fishing nymphs, that diameter is going to be the thing that holds up in the water column. And this is something that people overlook that, Yep. By using heavy diameter nylon, you are actually restricting the depth in which you're fishing. Right. So yep. um, I, I would go with five or six X, probably five. And I would create my dropper, um, you know, about four inches or so thereabouts. And then below that, about 18 inches, may, maybe a bit longer, depends on where I'm fishing. I would put that, that nymph. And I, I would, oh, the nymph. Yeah, yeah, and I would go with, you know, something like, you know, even a prince nymph, something that is, you know, something that's got a, a confidence factor built in. Um, yeah. <clears throat> but I would go for a 12 or a 14 or something like that. I wouldn't go too much smaller because, again, you're inviting problems purely psychologically because of the size. Oh, gosh, that's a bit small. That won't ever work. They won't right, be that. Right. So you're trying to build in as many things that the a person might find accommodating as is as is humanly possible. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Oh, that's awesome. Those are great. Uh, okay. So, so now let's take it to, so we kind of have a couple of the, uh, you know, uh, kind of tips and flies and stuff. What about resources? If somebody wanted to dig into nymphing, I guess maybe we talked about, we talked about George's book. Um, yeah. Dynamic no, I nymphing. Would. You don't it, need it, yeah. any other actually. Oh, um, right. Just George's. So get, I, I, get I dynamic. Nymphing. Just get, just get dynamic nymphing. It's all in there. Um, I'm yep. sure there are others. I'm sure there are, you know, um, there's, there's one that, that uh, has just come out over here called the Nymph Fisher's Bible. I'm always worried about the word Bible. Yeah, the Bible. In, in a book. <laughs> <clears throat> so, um, no, I, you know what? It's, it's just all there. It's just, there's just so much information there that you don't really need another book. And the nice thing is it's current and it's, you know, it's accessible. And, it, it's you know, and George is a nice chap. <laughs> mm. what, what George is great. Want? I, we, I'll put a link out to the episode we have with George. The great thing about George is we um, he mentioned Joe Humphreys, who we also had oh, yeah. on here, and, and he talked about. I loved it always because George talked about how, how Joe Joe would slap him around back in the day to get him to fish better. Right? He'd be like he'd like almost really? because he was a wrestler. Yeah, yeah. He said he said if if George wasn't doing a good job, uh, uh, Joe would just like hit him in the head and stuff. Really? Like, Come on, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. He, he'd he'd get him fired up, and I was like, man, that's that's some serious stuff. So. That, that yeah. shows you George's George's background, why he is the way he is, probably a little bit. But but also, well, it made, it's probably made him very calm and and you know very yeah. nice beyond that. But <laughs> it just goes to show the age too. You try and do that now, cool, righty, right? <clears throat> yeah, yeah, that would that wouldn't work. That would, no, it wouldn't, that work. wouldn't work. <laughs> no, I love it. So this has been this has been awesome, Charles. I think um, I think we're about there. Just a couple more things. I you know I, obviously I don't want to miss. There's a couple of big ones. Um, you know your art. We're probably not going to go deep into that, but maybe just uh, just to, for a little bit, touch on your art. How how is that something you do just as much as your fly fishing, or how how does all that look? Uh, well, quite a lot at the moment. Um, I've just been commissioned for a 
mag- whole range of magazines. So um, that that you know is is taking up an awful lot lot more time than I really intended. But no, I try and create create a balance because it, it, you know life is about balance, and I, I you know I, I celebrate the fact that not only I can do it, but I, I can do other things too. So you know I can walk away from it, which is good, um, which is healthy, I think. Um, yeah. Because you know when when it when it's not going well, and it, it very often doesn't actually. Um, you, you want distance, and you want the pressure, the pressure vacuum. I think of, of of being able to walk away and do something entirely different. So going onto a riverbank for me is just just the best. You know, I can just go okay and come about to something refreshed and re-energized. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, it is an important strung or string to what I do. And, it, you know, it, it's something, it's always been work. Um, my father's installed that into me that, you know, if you pick up a brush, it's no different than somebody picking up a, a trowel if you're bricklaying or, or, or hmm. you know, yeah. whatever. Um, it, it's a tool. And, all um, or in a tool, right? Yeah, you're not you're not on some higher calling and and some different being. You, you're just a technician that works with different medium than other people, and that yeah. that I've never lost. You know that, that yeah, I love that. Well, it's true. I, I mean, you know, it, yeah. I'm lucky. I can put things roughly where I want them to go in a color that I like to think that is an interpretation of of what i see and what others might see but is that does that make me any different to anyone else no of course it doesn't of course it doesn't i I love talking to you know our artists and and i recently had somebody in our audience we have this uh kind of a group for members that people going deeper with the podcast and he had this conversation i have conversations with you know whenever i can listeners of the show and we were talking and, and i I was asking him why he paid and he said he thought of me as basically a local artist, you know, with the podcast, okay. right? Like I like yeah. I'm just a, somebody creating this thing and I never really thought of it that much, but I think I think it, it we all have a little bit of artist in us, right? Yeah. Whatever we do like you're saying. Anything that you create and anything that is creative is art. I mean, it is the most broadest spectrum thing that you could possibly have. You know, it, it really is. And Art can be anything you want it to be. Um, hmm. Hence the word artful. <laughs> you know? Yeah, right. You know, it's right, right there. Exactly. It's right there in the English language. <laughs> That's it. All right, Charles. Well, hey, uh, in the next, uh, you know, six to 12 months, anything you want to give a shout out? New oh, you got my coming goodness. Or anything? Yeah, yeah, don't don't give me an, another platform. I'll, I'll be gobbling. Yeah, yeah give a shout out. <laughs> yeah, loving it. But, um, yeah, no, thank you for this, Dave. It's been an amazing, you know, hour and a bit really isn't it <laughs> yeah it has it has yeah i think we're i think we're a good hour and a half in this is that i always feel that the shows that are great are the ones where you turn around and, and your you know the, your guest is kind of like wow i didn't realize it was already an hour well, you know absolutely what I mean? yeah no, it's yeah. incredible yeah, yeah it's been fun I, I i love it i think that's the i found my little you know this is my little thing that i just you know the one thing i found that i'm pretty good at you know as far as just talking to people you know what i mean like that's that's well, one that's of those an art, things that, you see that is yeah. an art there you go you know you want to know yeah. what art is that's it right there that we just did it we just yeah. <laughs> hour and a half hour and a half of art right there yeah. uh so so if people want to connect with you is uh, charlesjardine.co.uk right it's charles at 
charlesjardine.co.uk. Yeah, that's right, Charles. Yeah. All right, perfect. All right, Charles. Well, hey, thank, thanks for all the time today. Yeah, we'll, we'll keep in touch with you as we go. And, uh, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll catch up with everything and uh, talk That'd to you be amazing. soon. Thanks, Dave. It's been a real treat. Thank you. If you can't check out our next live podcast, uh, just head over to wetflyswing.com slash live. And, uh, and you can actually send me a DM there if you can't get in, and I'll, I'll give you an invite. Um, that's the best way to stay on top of that. I want to give you a quick heads up. Uh, next Tuesday, a week from now, we've got a great episode with Bob Clay, um, who makes a sweet bamboo spade rod. We hear about Bob, what he has going over there, and what's coming up in the next few years if you want to get a bamboo spade rod. Uh, so... So that's all I have for you today. I uh, just uh, wanted to thank you again for stopping by to check out the show today and listening. If you uh, have any questions, please uh, reach out to me anytime and hope to maybe catch you online or on the river. Thanks for listening to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show. For notes and links from this episode, visit wetflyswing.com.